ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Zdeněk's English Podcast. It is seven past nine where I am, and I'm in my room, by the way. And it is, I believe, eight past eight where my guest is. Or can you guess where she's from, by the way? Obviously, she's one hour behind. And if you're familiar with the concept of time zones, I think you can figure it out. Yes, that's right. She's from the UK. We have got another native speaker guest on the podcast. Welcome, Claire, from the UK. Hello, Zdeniak. It's it's great to, to be uh, listening to another native speaker. Uh, it's a pleasure for this podcast, obviously, and it's a, it's a wonderful privilege to have you here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, um, uh, by the way, am I, am I pronouncing your name right, Claire? Yes. Yes, you are. That's perfect. <laughs> because I, I heard that some people mispronounce your name, actually. Yes, I studied in the Czech Republic and in Russia. And when I introduced myself, it would always go like this. Hi, I'm Claire. Clara? Claire. Clara? OK, I'm Clara. That will do. It sounded as if your, your students were uh, German. Germans, German. because they, they, they have this word Klar, which means clear like is it clear <laughs> yeah which probably comes from the same latin root um yeah. yeah so it it made sense to me when czech and russian students were doing it because i know that there isn't really an air sound mm -hmm. in russian or in czech but when i started training to be an english teacher and students from all over the world were mispronouncing it in the same way it's it's very confusing <laughs> Yeah, well, you revealed a lot, a lot that I wanted to kind of mm -hmm. uh, introduce. Well, obviously, first we should tell our listeners how we two know each other. Well, to be honest with you, this is my first time ever speaking to Claire here. And it's a really interesting story because um, Claire has been recommended to me by Sean. And Sean has featured on, on in a double episode of this podcast. I, I believe it was episodes 148 and 149. And, wow, you've been doing this for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, about five years or so. Uh, so I've, you've been recommended to me by one of the one of the guests on the podcast, uh, whose name is Sean. Uh, and can I, you can yeah. you remind me what topics you interviewed Sean about? Uh, uh huh. I certainly can. So we were talking about the Brexit. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. And and also about Kingdoms of Deceit, which is uh, a board game that I have been developing, and Sean happened to happened to be. Uh, one of my playtesters at the time. So, <laughs> and he just sent me a message saying that you might be a, 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 the ideal person to, <laughs> to record on this podcast because because of what you have just basically said, that you, you studied in the Czech Republic and you also kind of dabble in uh, English teaching, which I think uh, is certainly something we too have in common. So mm, definitely, I thought to myself, why not interview you on, on my podcast? And and you seem to be up for it, so yeah, absolutely. That's that's cool. Um, so um, <laughs> uh, where sh where should we start? So maybe maybe you, you could were, tell. Yeah, sorry. You were asking how I how I met Sean in the first place. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Well, do you know of the online dating site OkCupid? I don't. But so so did you did you meet each other on that? We did. Um, Unfortunately, there is nothing between us, but it turned out we had some mutual friends who run a monthly social gathering, social meetup in my town. So we thought we should get together and say hi. And he turned out to be a really cool person. Oh, okay, that's that's cool. 
Um, so, uh, so how long have you known Sean? Oh, only a month or so. Really, not a long time. Ah, I see. I see. That that's interesting. So it really caught my caught my interest uh, that that you studied in in my country, which doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't always happen that I meet someone um, from from England who studied. Yeah, it's it's not a common destination. I was the only one in my year group at my university who went. Hmm. Well, you're certainly not the only person from UK that that I know that had studied. No. By the way, I know some more. But, no, but there were very few people at my university. You know, there were only hmm. three other English students oh, okay. on my Erasmus placements, and none of them came from my university. So you're you're talking about Erasmus. So is this uh, Erasmus? Yeah. Erasmus. Is this the exchange program? Yes. Okay. So you spent here about half a year or so. Um, only three months. I did most of my year abroad. So I, I studied history and Russian at university. It was an obligatory part of the course to spend a year studying abroad. So mm -hmm. I did three months in the Czech Republic, then five in Moscow. Oh, okay. So altogether it's eight. I, yeah. actually, I actually thought it, it was much more, but it doesn't really matter. I think it was good enough for you to kind of make a picture of what what's going on here <laughs> what yeah. kind of country this is and perhaps you could even you even had a chance to compare it with Russia I and, did and did it broaden your horizons oh definitely I wish I could have spent more time in the Czech Republic I had a really good time there mm -hmm. so what was your first impression of this place um well, my first impression was, oh God, oh God, I'm exhausted and I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I'm really glad you're saying that. Sorry to interrupt you, because sometimes when, when I interview people from the UK, they are like, oh, it was great. I, like, because you, you guys are very, um, what's, the, what's, the, what's the right word? Like, you want to uh, praise the, mm -hmm. the country because it's who you are. You, you're very polite. And... Oh, thank you. No, we're not. <laughs> Well, it is true. So I'm surprised that <laughs> you you took it from the other end, which is okay, I think. Yeah, well, that that wasn't the fault of the country, though. That's just that I hate traveling and I always find it very tiring. Um, actually, I have nothing but praise for the country. You know, I said to myself, um, so I I studied in the city of Olomouc. Do you know it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is yep. in the in the east of the Czech Republic. Exactly, and nobody I spoke to in England had heard of it, nobody could pronounce it, but I got there and I thought, you know, why isn't this like um, like Vienna or Budapest, you know, one of the the great um, tourist destinations of, of um, mi the middle of Europe, because it's such mm. a beautiful place. And when my parents came to visit me, they said the same thing, you know, this is an undiscovered gem of a city. <laughs> Well, it is it is a smallish town in the Czech Republic, but the truth is, I'm I'm not a history geek, such as yourself, and I don't know much about history, but I know enough that uh, that it's uh, it's considered a historical place. I think. Yeah, it was very very beautiful, but I mean, yeah. of course, the other thing is that you know it's not actually that long since the Czech Republic was a, a communist country, so I guess that's why it's not as as not as famous as Vienna, but clearly it's becoming much wealthier and much more international and I really hope that will continue. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, so what made, what made you decide to come to the Czech Republic? Did you have a choice? Yeah. Or? Well, as I mentioned, I was studying Russian and um, so that meant I had to do some time in Russia, but for some reason they also offered um, 
offered the Czech Republic as mm -hmm. one option because of the relatedness of the languages. Okay. And I was quite nervous about going to Russia, and I thought I should I should practice being abroad somewhere a bit closer to home first before I go all the way to Moscow. So mm. um, actually, the Czech Republic, you know, beyond my general interest in Eastern Europe, it wasn't somewhere I'd really thought about before the Erasmus trip. But um, also um, on, on this Erasmus program, you get a grant to study, which is very nice. That was that was good to have. So for those two reasons, it seemed like a good idea to go to the Czech Republic. And it was a good decision. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me, Claire? Yes, I can. Thank it, you. It, it, it says on the on the screen that I'm having some internet problems, but I can oh. clear you, I, I can hear you very clearly. So I don't know. Yeah, I can hear you perfectly as well. So that's that's really cool. Um, so 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 you, it was like a smart move from yourself mm -hmm. to just to first go to a country which is not that far, exactly, like, yes. compared to Russia, exactly. and and also because of the European Union, obviously everything was very easy for you. You didn't need any visa or anything like that. No, and in fact, you know the the Erasmus program with that nice grant I mentioned is a European-wide scheme that Russia doesn't participate in. So that was mm. helped by the European Union as well. And while I was on Erasmus, you know, there were students from all over Europe and you'd meet someone from Slovenia who spoke Czech, Russian, French, English, Polish and Croatian. Oh my something. God, kind of a polyglot. Exactly, because you know all these, all, all the people in you know your country and the surrounding countries, they just all speak all the languages. Has been my experience. What languages do you speak, Stanislav? Well, <laughs> I just speak English and Czech, and possibly Slovakian. But speak, yeah, um, I understand Slovakian, but I can't really speak it that well. Like, say you met like a Slovenian person or a Polish person. Do you think you could sort of guess some of what they were saying and have a go? Or? Um. You you would be surprised, but it might be harder for me than you than you think. I think I would understand yep. anything that a Slovakian Slovakian person would say, but I I would struggle if yeah. if a Polish person spoke to me. But that's maybe because I don't live near the borders. Some yeah. people some people from the north of the Czech Republic are more used to Polish, of so course, yes. they might find it easier. But for me, I would definitely struggle. Yeah, and of course you've got to remember that these were, um, you know, students who'd chosen to do the Erasmus program, so they had an interest in learning foreign languages. Yeah, that's one of the things I find so cool about Europe is because there's, um, you know, there's no channel, no ocean between mm -hmm. countries. You get people, particularly at the borders, who speak two languages, three languages. You know, sometimes it's just enough to get by, but compared to the English who have no clue about any foreign language, it's just a really cool thing to see. <laughs> I think this might be a bit of a misconception. I mean, you you are definitely one of those who is breaking the stereotype here. So, uh, well, I try, but really, I'm not very good at speaking Russian, and I've forgotten most of my Czech. <laughs> well, you you spent here only three months. I don't think yeah. it's enough enough to really, no. you know. Especially because I didn't get to live with Czech students. I lived with um, other Erasmus students, and our common language with it mm. was English. So it wasn't really immersion, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. A uh, lot of people who uh, go abroad make this basic mistake, I would say, this elementary mistake that, I mean, they, they think they're abroad and everything will just come naturally without effort, but it's not really, no, it's not really not the case. Not at all, is it? Yeah. Um, so, um, so you told me that you um, would like to become an English teacher because you studied their history, right? Yes, I did. But... Um, you want to be an English teacher now, so how, well, how did I you... Well, studied, I studied history and a language, so it's not such a big jump. 
Oh, okay. And I guess, history, but but you didn't really yeah. study pedagogy, so why did you decide no. to? Well, history was a bit of a gamble. Like, I would say I'm interested in it, but when I decided to study it at university, it's because um, it's good to have a good degree in an academic subject, not because I had my heart set on being a historian. And um, you know, it can be very lucrative if you're willing to go to um, certain countries teaching English. And um, as soon as I tried it for the first time while I was in Russia, I just realized, you know, this is what I do. It's what I'm good at. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really that's really great that you discovered yourself there. And if you have like university background, I'm I'm sure you will make a great great teacher. Because well, what happens? I've, I've almost finished studying my CELTA course. Okay. Um, maybe you can tell the listeners what that is. Yeah, I I certainly can. I, I have I have already done that actually because I took this at I I've taken the CELTA course myself. I took it last year, and I you're doing the next level now, aren't you? Yes. I've been studying the Delta now, so my listeners are aware of this qualification, and yeah, so you're doing the same thing, and that helps you become an English teacher. I just, I just wanted to point out that I believe you, you are, you have what it takes, and you can really make it if you have the university background. Because in my eyes, there are a lot of native speakers who just um, want to teach English, and um, you know they don't have any any university qualification or anything. And they just they just do it for the, for the sake of just you know traveling abroad, and they are not so analytical and stuff. And I think you can do it because you have this uh, you have you have gone through this experience of uh, studying at university and even studying a foreign language. And, and that, that for me that's something that makes a difference. To be honest. Yeah, I'd say that to study a foreign language is essential if you want to teach. A language because really you won't learn how how grammar works as a system until you've had to learn a language you don't know because when you're speaking your own language you don't think about how it works so a lot of native yeah. English speakers you know they can speak English mm -hmm. but they don't know how the language works so they can't teach it and it's not just I, yeah excuse me sorry, Go on. I actually think I think this thing of um, people going abroad to teach English just because it's their first language is quite arrogant. I've met a lot of people who English wasn't their first language, but they're actually much better teachers. Hmm. Well, it's really great that they, they have this thing, that, uh, they have this Delta and Salta course, which can basically show, you know, it's, 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 yeah. it's designed in a way that um, everybody has a chance to show what they can do, right? Yeah, and, there's and, got to be qualifications. And there's no discrimination, I, I think. Uh, that's how I experienced it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they definitely, they discourage, you know, that there, there are native and non-native English speakers on my current course, and they they actually discourage me from even using the term native and non-native. <laughs> yeah. Definitely they, um, you know, the people who maybe weren't born speaking English um, do just as well on the course. It's it's one of their things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention you spoke about understanding grammar, how grammar works, and that you are better at it if you have gone through the experience yourself. And I wanted to say that it's. I think it's even more than that. It could be even like knowing the strategies and ways of le yeah. of learning, like you know, like passing on this knowledge of going through this experience. It's really, it's it's really vital. I think. Yeah, grammar definitely isn't the only thing you learn from 
studying a foreign language it's just the thing i personally find the most interesting mm -hmm. just even even understanding how frustrating it can be for a student who maybe in their own language is very articulate and very intelligent to not be able to communicate properly and how discouraged yeah. they can feel yeah um you know one of my um foreign students was very grateful to me just for saying reassuring words to her about when I when I studied in Russia I felt how you feel now don't be discouraged and yeah. I think I think because I'd had the yeah. same experience I was able to support uh -huh. her better it's also about obviously as a, as a teacher you are also a psychologist you have to be a good psych oh, psychologist yes. so that's oh, yes. that also matters a lot obviously um, you, you have to make make your student feel good about the, the learning and they, yes. they mustn't be uh, they mustn't be too frustrated about it and then you have, you have to create those kind of conditions that they enjoy learning right so it's yeah. not always easy and not everybody can do that and you can, I, I suppose you can learn it there's a bit of talent you must have I suppose but Definitely. it can be learned as well I mean like everything yeah. I suppose I mean in in the Stelter course we talk a lot about the importance of building rapport with the class mm -hmm. Definitely, as a as a school child, I observed how, you know, it didn't matter how much the teacher knew about their subject if they couldn't control the group. That's right. You know, yeah. nothing nothing would get done. Mm -hmm. Rapport is hugely important. Yeah, um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> so, um, so what what's, what are your plans now? So you you're back in the UK currently, aren't you? Yes, I'm living in my university town in the northeast of England. I was really hoping to support myself by teaching English history and singing mm -hmm. on a on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Because um, I live, um, obviously, I said in the same town as my university, and right near to Newcastle University as well. So that means a lot of international students. There are a lot of Arabic students in Newcastle. Okay. Um, I'm also looking for a more steady job, but it looks like that might actually not work out, and I might have to uh, move back in with my parents after Christmas. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, okay, it's all up up in the air currently. It is. So you mentioned you mentioned singing. So you also a singer? I am. Yes. Okay, lovely. Well, strictly amateur, but I I do enjoy my music. Uh huh. Nice. So what kind of songs do you do you like to sing? I run a folk singing group. I used to be in a church choir. Um, I like all sorts of genres of popular music as well, but it's harder to get into those. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't really limit myself by genre. Okay, cool. Well, I'm not going to ask you to sing, don't worry, but uh, <laughs> it could be a bit uh, uh, surprising for you, right, if I, I, will. If I ask you to, to sing. <laughs> if your listeners ask for it, I can come back and do a singing podcast another time. Or or you could just record something yourself and then I would, I, it would be easier, I guess, and less stressful. And I would just uh, include it or just, you know, throw it in while editing this podcast if, if you really could do, could do. if you really want. I think I think now now we have to do that because listeners are already <laughs> curious about your voice. Uh, mm -hmm. And speaking of your voice, I mean, uh, I have to say, like you said, you're from the north. And no, no, no. I live in the oh, north. Oh, you live in the north. I'm, I'm southern as they come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, 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 I can't really trace any any northern accent in your voice so and i'm not an expert but not at all yeah not at all i was born in cambridge i've lived in australia um then in oxfordshire uh my family are now based in essex mm -hmm. so all very south well your your english sounds very rp to me which is ideal for for teaching english i think mm -hmm. yes so. yes very. <laughs> 
Okay, so another thing I wanted to talk about is the, so how do you find uh, the checks as uh, the learners? What kind of specific problems do you think they have? What did you notice? Hmm, problems with, um, with learning English that maybe other students don't have. Hmm. I mean, uh, maybe uh, how many how many Czechs have you taught before? Oh, actually, I've never taught oh, a Czech okay. student. So it's not Sorry. really fair. It's oh. not really fair for me to ask you such questions. No, I uh. only started teaching for the first time when I got to Russia. Oh, okay. So, so why don't you talk about Russian uh, students? Because we we do have, or I do have some uh, Russian listeners actually. So uh, this might be interesting. Yeah, well, actually, this probably applies to Czech students as well. Am I right in thinking that um, the Czech language has the um, aspect system? Uh, I don't think we have this. So. Do you have tenses? Well, we do have tenses, but for us, it's like you have two tenses only in English. We have three. We have more than two yeah, tenses well, in English. Well, technically, you have only two, but then, like, if you look at the all the aspects and all that, then yeah. it's more. It's like I don't know, fifteen or something. Okay, that's that's interesting because I've always been taught that English has a lot of tenses. Well, uh, not that it has aspect, but um... technically, it's only two tenses. Okay, that's that's very interesting, and I'd love to hear more about it. But maybe I should ask you after the podcast. Well, you definitely so... you definitely can. Now I have to acknowledge you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, so I don't know what Czech has, but Russian has something very different from um, English, which is aspect. They've only got past, present and future tenses, but then every verb has its perfective and its imperfective aspect, oh, okay. which is, so, so instead of using one verb and then changing the tense, you've got to learn two similar but separate verbs. Oh, I see. And the perfective and imperfective verb forms are similar to the perfect and imperfect tenses in English, but not identical. Oh, okay. And foreign learners of Russian almost never master this. You know, you'll be a fluent speaker and you'll still be messing up your aspects. Mm. But this means that Russians are baffled by the number of English tenses. I had a Russian student say to me, Claire, the pluperfect, what is it? <laughs> well, at least at least she or he t uh, called you Claire. <laughs> yes, yes, he, he had mastered it that much. Okay. Um, yeah, well, they struggle with the air sound, obviously, Claire. Mm -hmm. um, they, most, most foreign students don't like articles in English. Mm -hmm. but in, with inflected languages, they don't like prepositions either. Yeah. But there is an argument that articles are not that important like uh, mm. compared to other aspects yeah. of grammar. I've been trying to work out what, um, what articles actually add to the meaning in English, and I don't think they really add much. Well, they add a little bit. They like a little bit. Yeah, they're determinists, so they specify the nouns. And, yeah, uh, but you can. I think you can do away. Uh, sorry, you can yeah. do without them. Yeah. I'm not saying they have no meaning. I'm just saying you can very well survive without them. Uh, I think you def definitely can. And another the ones in French. You know, does it matter whether they're masculine or feminine? Well, it doesn't really uh, really add anything. Yeah. Uh, another thing. Uh, uh, so what? What about the? What about the accent? Uh, the Russian accent is said to be quite understandable. Uh, in comparison with other accents all around the world. Is is that so? Hmm. Um, I think it's it's hard to say because um, 
yes, I think. Um, I mean, trouble is un understanding uh, an English learner. There's so much more than just their accent. It's their fluency and whether they choose the words right. But um, hmm. definitely, I'd I'd say sort of the further away from the UK, the harder I find it to understand the accent. You know, mm -hmm. there have been some very fluent Chinese speakers who I couldn't understand. Yep. Um, some fellow students of mine from Myanmar who I couldn't make out a word they said in English or in Russian. Yep. It just depends what you're used to. True. So um, That is true. But yeah, so Russian is definitely not the diffi most difficult accent I've encountered. I happen to have taught Russian students, quite a lot of them, and also Chinese. I'm teaching Chinese this year, and I can only agree with you. Yeah. But but so but I the Ch Chinese are really such nice people. They are really a pleasure to teach. But I think it's because the the um, L one their first language is just so different from ours. Yeah, you know, it's as Russia at the end of the day, it's an Indo, it's an Indo-European language. The accent's not going to be as different. That's right. They have this tonic uh, language or whatever it is called. So they they can like uh, convey the meaning from just tones you know they so you they, yeah. they would say the same thing but with uh, multiple different tones and it would mean complete completely different things so that that yeah. really makes it hard absolutely yeah and the, the, all their vowels are different like some of the some of the vowels and consonants are the same you know except maybe yeah. except maybe for the famous one the and the um but from from what i learned from these clever books which were supposed to prepare me for the delta they say that it actually doesn't matter so much if the learners uh, mispronounce these vowels, these uh, consonant sounds, these um, sounds, because it does not affect the meaning. You would still understand what they are saying, even though they say d or d or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of difficult sounds, the um, the I think it's the R with a accent in in Czech which is meant to be the yeah. sound and we were always told that it was it was a rolled R and a Z sound at the same time which forget it but then whenever I heard it spoken it just sounded like Z. I knew you would say that actually <laughs> when you it doesn't sound nearly as difficult as the teachers told us it would be <laughs> it's the famous Czech Z. um mm -hmm. yeah but you know it's like I, I know some people who have spent here two years and they still can't you still yeah. you, you still can tell that they are not Czech and they they're studying Czech but I don't think it really matters it, it, even if you yeah. say there like it's really something like je, but it goes it goes closer to a so mm -hmm. something that you said I mean it's really hard you can find some YouTube videos I suppose of people teaching mm -hmm. this but I think you can uh, yeah. get by without knowing how to say je proper, properly one of the biggest difficulties for me with learning Slavic languages is that I can't roll my R's. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so would, do you plan to come back to Czech Republic ever or to teach? Hmm. Trouble is I got quite homesick um, hmm. while I was studying abroad and I'm the kind of person who if I can't see my friends immediately, you know, I start to suffer emotionally and maybe I don't think positive and go out and make new friends mm, so mm, mm. I, I'm quite concerned I about what would happen if I lived abroad again but 
you know, I want to be an English teacher and that's where the work is. So if I was to go abroad again, it would probably be to the Czech Republic well, I, where I've had the I, best experience. Are you saying that you wouldn't find work in the UK as a teacher? Um, you might, but it's much harder just due to the quantity of qualified people mm. in the UK. I see, I see. Well, you can always go for the Delta. That that would help, I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. My um my CELTA instructor was saying that the problem is you get people who learn the CELTA in order to go traveling, then they get tired of traveling, they come home, they look for an English teaching job in the UK. Mm. So yeah. it's just a, a large concentration of qualified people. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, okay, so... Um, so you you said that you were um, st you you've studied history. So can I could I just ask what what branch of history, if it is possible to say? Well, mainly Russian history in the end. Um, I'd say the period I know most about is Russia from sort of 1890 to um, no maybe 1950. Mm, so that involves I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I remember it, but that, that should involve Lenin and Stalin, right? Yes, it involves the run-up to the first and second Russian revolutions and the first part of the uh, first and worst part of the communist period. Mm -hmm. Okay. And in at A level, I really studied the causes of the revolution in depth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have got a degree in history now. Yes, I have. Yeah, okay. I studied other periods as well. Mm -hmm. oh, that's that's really cool, as well. So, yeah. So, yeah. as a as a historian, I mean, well, we have to we have to kind of confess to our listeners that originally this was planned to be a podcast about Donald Trump, and mm -hmm. <laughs> but then you know we decided we were tired of this topic, yes. but we could go on it for a few minutes if you want. Well. If we really have to, I mean, if there is anything to say, really, <laughs> obviously, I, I suppose, I suppose uh, that you can only say uh, bad things about him um, as an educated person, because I can't imagine uh, uh, an educated person praising Donald Trump. Yes, that's true. I'm particularly um, concerned about his uh, remarks about women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something as... that concerns me personally. Okay, obviously, as a woman. That makes sense, but apart from that, I believe there is more more to the uh, to this person than just that. Oh, definitely, <laughs> lots, lots more. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope he will not uh, blow up um, our lovely planet. Ah, uh, yes. And so we yes, will be able to live here for um, longer than <laughs> we could if um, he went crazy or something carry on having nice Erasmus exchanges and so forth. Yep, and um, experiencing um, um, foreign foreign adventures such as yours. Um, and I suppose I suppose you, you're also not um, quite satisfied with uh, what happened in the UK with the, with the referendum about uh, staying or leaving um, the Europe. Not especially. I mean, um, I voted to remain. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand that there were some good arguments for leaving. You know, I'm I'm no economist. I think that they they had a point. Trouble is, um, I think both sides almost, you know, um, went to the the worst place possible. Um, you know, ran a a campaign on bad arguments instead of on good arguments. Mm. You know, it, 
in the in the Remain campaign, it was very much, oh, Britain is a terrible place that can't get anything done without Europe. All our human rights laws come from Europe, which obviously alienated us from any any patriotic people who want to think that maybe Britain has something to offer the EU. But on the other hand, the Leave campaign was so much based on, you know, xenophobia and uh, yeah, and anti-immigration and really very ill-informed. You know, mm. I wish we could have found a, you know, a optimistic, a patriotic reason to yeah. stay in the EU. You know, working together. Um, but wouldn't you say it's like looking at this um, in broader perspective, like Trump, Brexit? Wouldn't you say? This is kind of a trend that something is happening with the society. They, they have yes, become more ra radicalized, and there have been some rifts in the society. I, so. um, I mean, you you mentioned my historian's perspective, and I think what we have to understand is that this hasn't really gone away. You know, we we tend to have a very limited understanding of history. You know, for example, that. Anti-Semitism belonged in mm. Nazi Germany and was defeated when the Nazis were defeated, or that anti-black racism was defeated by Martin Luther King in mm -hmm. the 1960s. We forget that actually, you know, a lot of there were you know vicious pogroms against Jewish people in in Russia and Eastern Europe. That a lot of British and Americans thought that Hitler had the right idea. We forget how fiercely. The black civil rights movement was opposed and continues to be opposed we um i think we get a bit complacent and we tell ourselves the good guys won we're not like that anymore yeah. and the you know the well let's say it the the racist and xenophobic elements just carry on and bide their time and if we get complacent they come out again yeah i guess this is in inevitable this is in us humans yeah. and it, this has been here since, yeah. since the beginning of humanity, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It is in us humans. You know, if you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense to mistrust people who aren't like you or aren't from your tribe. You know, yeah. humans are each other's greatest competitors. Yeah. And that's why we've got to we've got to not think, oh, you know, racism is in the past. We've got to understand that it's part of our brains. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of how how we work as a species that you know, we need each other, mm -hmm. we want to love and befriend each other, yeah. but we are also in competition with each other and we also want to harm each other. Exactly. And we have to work constantly to make sure that we're working together and not listening to the part of ourselves that wants to fight. Yeah, that's that's very nice words there. Um, yeah. Um, so, I don't know, Claire, do you have any questions? Uh, is there anything you would like to ask? Because obviously... I mean, we have uh, covered all the topics we prepared. We, I had some notes here, and um, so is there anything you'd like to know or? Um, yeah, just a, a few words to sum up, I suppose. I um, I really enjoyed that Erasmus made it so easy for me to study in the Czech Republic. I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about Brexit because I think that the more we panic now that it's happened, the worse the outcome will be. It's possible that the outcome will be good. So mm -hmm. I'm going to try and make the best of it. And I hope that the Erasmus program or something like it will be accessible to the students who come after me. Um, I really hope that humanity will find the better side of itself again and that we'll 
sort out this radicalization mm-hmm. um, that you that you mentioned. Well, um, good luck with that. <laughs> yep. You know, hope for the best, expect, uh, prepare for the worst. Yeah, <laughs> well said. Well, I, I have to say it's been a real pleasure to to have you on this podcast, and I, I, I would like to thank you for participating. And um, thank you for your invitation. Well, you you really you really mentioned a lot of interesting points, mm-hmm. and I'm sure our listeners uh, have enjoyed it as well. So thank you very much. And uh, on this note, I would like to uh, say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> so bye. Bye.